Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... Hello, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. I hope you enjoyed time with your family and friends yesterday while this gentleman, Ryan Talbot, and myself, Matt Perino, were in Detroit watching the Buffalo Bills improve to 8-3 and three in dramatic fashion, 28-25. We are going to get into all of it right here on Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you as always by Tops Friendly Markets. Enter for a chance to win $1 million right now each week Kings Hawaiian is pitting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone to enter. Ryan, we were toying with the idea of doing another backseat Jeep post game (laughs) podcast, but we decided, you know what? Let's let it marinate a little bit. We'll come back on Friday. We'll get into this game. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great. Yeah, and it, and it gets dark pretty early these days, so I think the lighting would have certainly been an issue, but good to kind of sleep on this win, so we had some good discussion points to talk about today, Matt. Shout out to everybody that watched uh, the video version of the the Backseat Jeep pod. Uh, it wasn't the best quality. Uh, after we recorded it, we were like, oh, should we just put up the audio? But we, we were like, you know what? Let's bring it to you like in, in the real here. And uh, we, we are able to get it done. Uh, lesson learned for, for future uh, trips like that. Uh, maybe thinking through some of the technology issues. All right. To set up the show a little bit, a lot to get into. Uh, the offense struggled a little bit before they figured things out. I want to start there. We'll get into Von Miller. Obviously, the potential impact, where things sit with his injury. Uh, we'll talk about the secondary, Tredavious White returning. Um, got some some stuff on Dane Jackson as well. The linebacker situation with Tremaine Edmonds out there and the, and the Patriots looming, the Patriots losing last night. We'll get into that maybe a little bit at the end as well, Ryan. But I want to start with the way the offense figured it out. This was a real grinded out kind of game for the offense. Josh Allen kind of struggling throughout most of the game. 50% completion percentage through three quarters. Stefan Diggs, 10 targets, only three catches. That is just uncharacteristic. But on those last two drives, it was that needed moment. It kind of reminded me a lot, talking to Diggs after the game, of that Pittsburgh Steelers game two years ago when everything was going wrong. It was only in the first quarter. But he went over to Josh Allen and said, Put it on me. Trust me. Lean on me. And I'll make things happen. And that's exactly what he did on the touchdown drive. Four catches, 27 yards, and obviously the touchdown, that big 37-yarder on the game-winning drive for the field goal. Those are big-time plays, and big players make them. Yeah, huge plays. And it goes to Josh Allen. It goes to Stefan Diggs. You mentioned it, Matt. For three quarters, uh, the Bills were kind of going through the motions. Now, Allen did have a rushing touchdown earlier in the game. He produced some drives. But for the most part, you said 50% completion rate. Turned it on in the fourth quarter. Uh, moving the ball up and down the field on that touchdown drive. He was 10 for 14 in the fourth quarter, 90 yards, 112.2 passer rating. He, when the bills needed him most, he turned it on and, you know, we'll, we'll get into some of the issues with this offense here in a few minutes, but you mentioned it, big players make big plays and big moments. And Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs kind of took the, the game in their own hands at that point in the fourth quarter, the touchdown drive. And then obviously after the Lions tied things up, uh, who does Allen go to on that first passing play? Diggs, despite being almost in triple coverage. I think we could t- talk a little bit about like just the sequence of events at the end of the game. Because honestly, this is something that's been 
a struggle for the Bills, you know, especially recently, like those late late game execution plays where you got to have it. You go back to last week against Minnesota, and obviously there's a lot of things that they could have done differently to win that game in like four or five different spots. This game could have gotten away from them in probably four or five different spots. And so you see on a short week, everything that this team was dealing with. And, and I know we talked a little bit about it. Like, you know, the excuse making isn't something that, you know, Super Bowl caliber uh, teams, you're never going to, you know, really uh, spend too much time on that because these teams, everybody's going through adversity. Josh Allen mentioned it when he was asked about his arm injury. Everybody, If anybody tells you they're not injured at this point of the season, they're lying. So teams have to figure out a way to win week to week. They're going to be in close games. We know how good this team in team is the point differential is what it is. And this was a game Detroit team that's playing with a ton of confidence on both sides of the ball. Jared Goff, I think, you know, is benefiting from a really improved offensive line play, but also the bills inconsistent pressure rate in this game outside of Ed Oliver. I thought Oliver was an absolute stud in this game. We'll talk about him in a little while, but in those final moments, when you miss the extra point, which then all of a sudden get makes the situation where they only need a field goal to tie the game, you have to you have to execute. You got to keep them out of the end zone, and the Bills, are, the defense, has struggled to do that in recent weeks. Yeah, it's it's really been a struggle on on the back end and the secondary specifically, Matt. And for the Bills, that was the issue again yesterday. The secondary is getting picked apart. Trey White was out there on a pitch count and nothing really notable in terms of him getting targeted out there. But when he was off the field, uh, you had Dane Jackson getting picked on quite a bit and losing most of those matchups. You had uh, Christian Benford losing a lot of those individual matchups. Kyrie Elam comes in later in the game. Um, again, probably a situation where the Bills didn't want to force him onto the field right away. Uh, but they they had to get him out there because of how the other cornerbacks were playing. So the Bills adjusted, though. What did they do? They send some pressure at Jared Goff that led to some inaccurate passes, uh, got the Lions off the field at times, and then in those crucial moments in the game, caused them to force or force the Lions into a field goal to tie the game rather than uh, give them the opportunity to win it with a touchdown. We're going to get in uh, a little bit deeper into the cornerback rotation and what to expect maybe in the next couple of weeks. I want to I want to talk about that. Maybe we, we can transition to that, but I want to talk about Von Miller first. You know, he comes in to this game. Uh, this was the 11th game of the season. Von Miller has eight sacks. His 25 pressures, Ryan, are more than any two other Bills players combined this season. So when you talk about impact in the pass rush, what the Bills potentially lose with him out of the lineup, and it's looking like it's going to be at minimum a few games here where they will be without him. He suffered a knee injury. The early reports from Ian Rappaport, and I believe Jeremy Fowler had a report on it. Um, Rappaport had the knee sprain. Uh, Fowler followed up with, you know, that they think that they've um, avoided something serious, but they won't know until further tests are being done. So today, tomorrow, you're going to see probably some updates coming up uh, out, out of this whole situation. But Ryan, Greg Rousseau wasn't available in that game. AJ Epinesa wasn't available in that game. Von Miller goes down and then it leaves you with Shaq Lawson, a guy that was a throwaway, was a late free agent addition. Um, Mike Love off the practice squad, Mike Love season. And then um, Boogie Basham, who I think if you took their whole collection of guys that they were really looking to pop this year, he's been the one that's done it the least amount. And they got the job done. I, I, and I And I think in a weird way, with Von Miller out for an extended period potentially here, depending on what it ends up being, I don't want to call it a blessing in disguise because they, you want that guy on the field. But this could be the kind of kick in the in the rear to a lot of guys on that defensive line to really step their game up. And this could also be an opportunity for Ed Oliver to say, all right, this is my line now, right? I'm the captain now. I'm <laughs> going to take this thing over and play and produce like that top 10 pick that he was in 2019. Yeah, and, and Sean McDermott kind of alluded to that after the game when I talked about the play of the defensive line. I asked him, you know, what thoughts on that Oliver Daquan Jones? He said, hey, listen, they, they needed to step up. We needed someone on that defensive line to do that. And maybe it is at Oliver going forward to the defensive tackle position as a whole. Because you mentioned it, Matt, they're going through it right now on that defensive end, that edge rush position. Von Miller uh, has lived up to that contract the Bills signed him to in terms of sacks, in terms of pressures, in terms of getting after the quarterback in big moments. 
And then everyone else, it's been a mixed bag. Greg Rousseau got off to a great start, but now he's dealing with a high ankle sprain. So you don't want to rush him back to action. AJ Epinesa, ankle injury, can't rush him back. So you mentioned the, the players that they're down to now. Uh, it's bottom of the roster guys, guys that we were discussing a few months ago at the end of the summer is, will they make the roster? Won't they like a Shaq Lawson, like a Mike Love? Uh, and then a Boogie Basham, a former second round pick where, like you said it, they were expecting a lot out of him or hoping for a lot out of him this year. And it really hasn't happened. Uh, I thought he was—he had a really poor game, to be quite honest, against the Lions yesterday. There's no place to go but up, I, I suppose, if you're boogie bashing. But the, the Bills are going to get you know a lot of reps to these other players now while they're getting healthy. So you're right. In that way, it can be a blessing in disguise. But obviously, and Captain Obvious Statement coming up here, any play without Von Miller, any games that they're missing him, it's going to take a significant hit to this defensive line. I don't know where I fall on this, but I want to bring up this comment from RJ and let's talk this through a little bit. Uh, he's in here often and uh, I respect his his take. Uh, I, I might have a different slant on this though. And while I don't think Ken Dorsey is without criticism for the struggles at times over the last couple of weeks, I think there's, there's some important points. So let's start with the fact that RJ says last night he watched a DC and Matt Patricia, who was a defensive coordinator before he's become whatever he is for the Patriots now, scheme open guys all night uh, against the Vikings. Meanwhile, Dorsey can't scheme open an all-pro wide receiver in Diggs, a good tight end in Dawson Knox, and a postseason record holder in Gabe Davis. Dorsey is a problem right now. I think that there's a lot at play here when it comes to Dorsey's ability to kind of manage two balls in the air. On one hand, I think they've really wanted to veer away from that pass heavy, like running gun, like uh, just overwhelm teams with the passing game and start to develop more of a run game. And what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, which I think Ken Dorsey deserves some credit for, is establishing a reliable run game. And even in this game, as, as much of a struggle as it was, Devin Singletary ended up averaging 5.1 yards per carry on 14 carries. Ryan, that's what we were clamoring for for weeks and weeks and weeks. The Bills, they had their struggles in this game. But Ryan, they scored 28 points. The Bills, outside of the Jets game, when they scored 20, they've scored 28, 31, 30, 27, 24, 38, 23. I mean, the Jets game notwithstanding, that was a stinker. I think that this offense is just trying to figure out how many ways they can win. And Stefan Diggs said it yesterday too, when crediting the way that motor ran the ball yesterday, we got to figure out a way at times to be able to play left-handed because teams are going to take certain things away from them. I know that there's frustration, but I think like what we saw yesterday is keep a game close, try to get up, try to make plays. And then when, when all else fails, hand the keys over to Josh Allen and let him drive. And that worked yesterday. Will it work over the next three weeks? With the, the the gauntlet of the division, we'll see. But I'm not so crazy about the idea of throwing Ken Dorsey under the bus for a offense that ranks top five in almost every you know important category. Yeah, it's a tough discussion because in, in terms of scheming players open, I'll I will say that there have been times where some of the route concepts and things have not necessarily done any favors for the wide receivers. And last year, a lot of the pre-snap movement, a lot of the way that Brian Dayball ran things, you did have guys running open at times where I maybe you haven't seen that as much. At times, Matt, this offense, it, it's a struggle. The, the, the short passes, the screens that they're trying to get going, the third in short situations where he's throwing the, the two-yard outs and it, uh, Gabe Davis has to kind of dive for one of them to kind of move the chains. It doesn't look like what it did last year, but Obviously, we talked about this in the car on the way home. Everyone remembers all the good from Brian Dable. They don't talk about the 9-6 loss, the Jacksonville last year, and some of the struggles that that offense went through uh, in in the regular season when they were 7-6, when they were getting hit in the mouth against the Colts and they couldn't really do much on offense in that game. You're going to have these ebbs and flows. So can Ken Dorsey scheme up things a little bit better? Yes, any offensive coordinator is going to sit there and say, I can do better at my job in certain areas. But you mentioned it, the run game. The Bills are now 4-0 and Devin Singletary gets 14 carries or more. He needs to get into that rhythm. And when he does, you mentioned it, averaging uh, in this game over five yards per carry, but on average it's been over four yards per carry in those uh, other wins. And, and I think they're 5-1 and one now when he gets double-digit carries. So 
they're figuring things out there. Uh, worst case scenario, he, you're right. He gives the keys to the, uh, to the car to Josh Allen and says, drive. You know what to do in these situations. You know who your number one guy is. Trust your arm talent. Uh, make the throws that you and maybe only one or two other quarterbacks in this league can make uh, in these big moments, and that's exactly what happened. So, yes, th- there's some growing pains. There's some issues for this Bills offense to figure out, but to your point, the Bills are still one of the highest-scoring offenses in the league. If this defense wasn't so beat up and was playing to the level that they were earlier in the season, 28, 31, 30 points that they put up against the Vikings, those would generally win you most games. You know what else wins you games? What's that? Strong offensive line play. And I don't think anybody's coming out of that game talking about how well the Bills offensive line play. I thought Ryan Bates held up pretty well with getting thrown into the center spot. But at various times, and we talked about it on the drive home yesterday, Spencer Brown is in a bad spot right now. The dude is just, he's getting beat way too often in pass pro. Guys are just flying around him out wide on the edge and forcing Josh Allen into an immediate decision-making process when he reaches the end of his drop. And just because you could do something doesn't mean that it's to be done in every scenario. And so when Josh Allen gets back there, sometimes you want a seven-step seven drop and have the ability to survey the field a little bit. And he just ha- didn't have that yesterday for most of the game. I thought, you know, in the last two quarters, they did a little bit of a better job. They settled into a better spot, especially considering Deion Dawkins goes out in the second quarter. Questenberry comes in. He's had his own struggles this season. So – for the, for the Bills to hang in, you know, with all the injuries, with the Vaughn situation, they could have really collapsed at halftime, especially their defense. And they come out in the second half, and, you know, I, I thought they played a, a really good game in the second half, Ryan, the, the defense specifically. Uh, let me just bring this up here. The Lions had the touchdown to DJ Chark, um, uh, the two-point conversion, so that's not good. They had the field goal, but that's all they had. They had 10 points in the second half, and I thought that the defense made big-time plays uh, throughout the second half, and maybe that could be the transition we need to get into this this cornerback situation because I know a lot of people are upset. I have some thoughts on that as well, but overall thoughts on you know the way the Bills handled the injury bug yesterday. Yeah, well, first and foremost with the offensive line play, it was bad. And you mentioned the seven-step drops. It felt like Josh Allen took 10, 12-step drops on a few plays because he knew that heat was coming and he needed to have a little bit of separation or room uh, from these defensive ends and defensive players that are going to be flying in his face. Anytime you lose Deion Dawkins in-game, that's not a good situation. He's uh, become a steady left tackle, one of the better left tackles in this league. You are you were already without Mitch Morris. And, and, you know, you mentioned Ryan Bates. He played pretty well at center. There were a few snap issues early in the game, but I thought that that was remedied pretty quickly by this team. So but by moving him over, you were also missing technically one of your starters at guard. And there were a lot of issues at play there. Spencer Brown, uh, he had he ended the year. He had ups, ups and downs as a rookie last year. I was looking for more ups this year, and I haven't necessarily seen it. It's become more of a concern. You have Questenberry who can play there. The the Bills need to really go into this offseason no matter what happens, whether you win the Super Bowl, whether you're eliminated in the first round of the playoffs, whatever it is, they need to sit down and say, you know, we're not going to reach for a player, but we really need to start investing in first and second round offensive linemen uh, because Josh Allen, we, we invested $258 million in this guy, and the best thing we can do for him at this point isn't get him another fancy uh, weapon at receiver. It's protect him, keep him upright so he can scan the field and then we can, he can take off and run when he so chooses. So that definitely seems like priority number one this offseason for this team. And where they're picking, it'll be hard to get a premier tackle or lineman, but it needs to be done. In the comments here, Stephen, it was great to meet you yesterday. Matt. We met a lot of Bills Mafia members going into the stadium, leaving at times. Uh, it was awesome to, to run into people that recognize us, talk about the podcast. So shout out to them. But yeah, for this Bills team, they were spoiled la- the last two years in terms of the injuries or lack thereof. There were games where we were mid-season, late in the season. That injury report, Matt, had four or five names on it. Mm. It was an anomaly. It doesn't happen usually like that. And this year, you know, maybe the Bills are on the other side of it. It's more than a lot of teams are going through. But you can't predict injuries. There, There's no rhyme or reason for all these ankle injuries and what's happening to the Bills. Obviously, these short games and short rests aren't benefiting them. They go from a Thursday game this week to another Thursday game next week. Uh, instead of that, an extended bye week of sorts. 
uh, or an extended break of sorts. They're going to have another kind of short week here coming up, which the Patriots do too. But the, the best thing that can happen is after that Patriots game where the Bills get a little bit extra rest, a little bit of time to maybe figure things out, get healthy, get right. Maybe then you get a Greg Rousseau back. If Edmonds doesn't come back this week, I would like to think he'll be ready for that following game as well. It's all about letting these guys heal up so that way during that stretch run of the season, uh, your offense and defense as a whole can kind of get right and figure out things as they head into the playoffs. Ryan, if everybody watching and listening right now wants to get right for Christmas season, Christmas bonus is going on at Tops Friendly Markets, and it is the season to save on groceries and all of your favorite holiday gifts. Shop at Tops and save $10 at all of your other favorite stores and restaurants. With over 25 gift cards to choose from, there's something for everyone on your list, and don't forget to treat yourself to some extra savings too. Save on great gifts like toys and games from GameStop or Toys R Us at Macy's. Great family dining at Applebee's or Buffalo Wild Wings. That new big screen TV you want from the Best Buy. And so much more just by shopping at Tops. Be Santa's biggest little helper with Christmas bonus from Tops. For a complete list of, of available gift card savings, visit topsmarkets.com slash Christmas bonus. We have a write-in uh, topic. Uh, one, Caitlin Perino, my wife, says, uh, <laughs> I'd like to mention... The calm collected reset by Josh in the snap fumble as he normally would scramble mm. and drop or end up turning it over, but he recovered quick and reset and completed a throw, I think, for a first down. It's a very great observation, honey. Uh, way to go. We should talk a little bit about that because it's almost like Josh Allen loves the, the the fumble move on Thanksgiving. Like go back to the Dallas game, right? The That was almost like the birth of the superstar that Josh Allen has become. He kind of, he laid some breadcrumbs at the feet of Bill's mafia, showing them what could be to come in that game. He had a really good game, but just the calm, cool, collected nature. And what went into that play, Ryan, we were talking about it as we were watching it was new center. There was a couple snaps in the yeah. game that you had mentioned were just a little bit like, I don't know if uh, if everything's uh, working uh, like it usually does there. And it's to be expected. It's the first time Ryan Bates has played center at that pace, at that rate in the NFL. So a great play by Josh Allen in that moment. And I think aside from those two throws in the third quarter, the interception and then the near interception, which a lot of people did tell me rightfully so when I went back and watched it, it was probably more on James Cook uh, for the way that he uh, ran the route than it was on Josh Allen putting the ball in jeopardy. But after that interception, you just start to think, okay, you gotta, you don't want to let this kind of get out, of, get off the rails like it has in recent weeks. So, to Josh Allen's credit, in that moment, uh, he did a good job there. Yeah, he did. And there were a few snaps that were too high early in the game. One or two that he moved to the left or the right, uh, and and he had the fumble that he picked up and he ran in for the touchdown. Uh, so he he did. He he corrected any kind of mistakes that were were coming from Bates in the snaps. And like you said, this was not normal for Bates. He's not used to that. So it's some growing pains that you expect, but Allen stayed cool, calm and collected in those moments, uh, put up touchdowns when they mattered most and led the bills to, again, they're, they're eight and three right now with all these injuries, with all these problems. And you can go back and look at all three of their losses, Matt, and say they were this away from winning the Miami game, not playing in extreme heat and have, missing 11 starters at one point. They blew the Minnesota game, but uh, when they're up 27-10, the Jets game was just uh, the defense of the Jets is legit, but the Bills' offense didn't do enough to stop the the or defense didn't stop do enough to stop the Jets' offense. Excuse me, in, in that one, in, in some big uh, moments, and Garrett Wilson really had a good game there. So we're not talking about a team that's been blown out at any point this season. They've been in every game. They're one or two plays away from being undefeated right now, and if you know if that was the case. I don't think the sky would be falling in terms of all these issues that we've been hearing about after these close wins. These close wins, again, might be a blessing in disguise because play, playoff time, you're generally going to be playing in tight games. Yeah, and as good as Kansas City has been, to your point, their point differential is sitting right now at just 60 seven points. And that's an offense that's been scoring. And so the bills have had a really tough schedule. I mean, the AFC East has been a lot better than I think anybody anticipated. And I know we'll learn a lot more over the next three weeks, but to be plus one ten sitting here after this many weeks, I think goes to show how solid of a team that they are and improves the Super Bowl caliber stuff. Don't look now. The Dallas Cowboys are catching up. They're at 92. That's a legit team. I was joking around with a bills fan the other day. Um, I think it was, around the Browns game, we were walking, I was walking up to the stadium and I'd walked into somebody. We were just 
chatting about the season and I, and we were getting to, you know, looking ahead to the playoffs. And I, I got to thinking about it because Dallas has been playing so well. And I'm like, wouldn't that just be some wild, wild stuff? If the bills, after all of these years, get back to the Super Bowl, and that's who's staring them in the face of the Dallas Cowboys. And then you hate to put this into the, into the world, but the potential of a, a third loss in that situation. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. have talked about like potentially facing Tom Brady and the Bucks in the Super Bowl and how awful that would be to lose to them. But man, that Cowboy situation would be brutal. Now, I will say, I mean, who knows? Throw it all out of the playoffs because that's not really how it works. The great teams, the best players, the best quarterbacks, that's not how it really works. But I do think that the Bills could do some nice things against uh, Dak Prescott and that Cowboys offense. They can run the ball. They got a good offensive line. I don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself. I just started (laughs) started thinking about that a little bit. Yeah, Dallas would be quite the matchup. I mean, it'd be interesting too. I know Philadelphia had a loss a few weeks ago, uh, but Philadelphia as well would be interesting because that'd be the only NFC East team the the Bills had never played in the Super Bowl. They played the Giants. They played Washington. Wow. They played Dallas. So that would kind Look of you with the Nuggets, Talbot. Yeah, that would kind of complete that as well. So obviously we're, we're way ahead of ourselves. The Bills still have to win quite a few games to get to the Super Bowl regular season and playoffs aside. Uh, and one of those NFC East teams still has to do a lot of uh, winning as well, but would be interesting. See, we have a super chat here, Matt. Uh, it says he may not be available at pick 31, but can we get Peter Skoransky of Northwestern? I'll settle for Osiris Torrance of Florida or Andrew Voorhees of USC. I am not in draft mode yet. I'm going to be the first person to admit it. Voorhees is, is someone I am familiar with. Uh, I've watched him play this season. I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I, I kind of do keep tabs on Uf, uh, USC a little bit. Big game coming up here this weekend. Uh, Voorhees, uh, you know, the draft stock is all over the place right now in, in terms of where it will be between now and April, the testing and everything else. But I like his game in the, the bills. I think that they they're going to go into this and they're going to be trying to find players that fit Aaron Cromer's scheme as well. Mm-hmm. Cromer inherited an offensive line that Bobby Johnson brought along the players that he wanted to sign. And I'm not saying that uh, that's necessarily the biggest issue with this unit right now, but, you want players whose skill sets fit what you want to do as an offensive line coach. So the, it might be one of those players. It might be someone else, but we have a lot of time between now and, and the draft. But yeah, I, I'm all for investing first and second round pick or uh, both of your day two picks in, in offensive linemen, whatever this team needs to do to shore up that offensive line, develop the right players and keep Josh Allen upright. I think that's a great point. On, on Cromer and something where, you know, when they brought him in last year, they had a lot of work to do. I mean, he had been out of football for a year or two uh, since he was with the Rams. And so getting back into the swing of things, especially around draft season, he was probably more concerned about getting things figured out with internally with their offensive um, staff, you know, joining a first year offensive coordinator. Joe Brady coming in, who has a little bit of uh, offensive coordinator experience himself and trying to figure out what that mesh is going to be, who they are going to be as an offense. So all that was in play. I think you figure that out throughout the course of the season and into the offseason. Cromer can spend a lot more time, you know, looking at guys. They got to find their Creed Humphrey and their Trey Smith. They got to find guys that you can plug in on your offensive line as starters and turn certain players into backups. We were talking about Spencer Brown and maybe making him into more of a, of a swing tackle. while he's still kind of young, still some injury issues. You know, he's kind of in and out of the lineup. Uh, you pair another tackle with Deion Dawkins. You have Mitch Morse for maybe another season. Then you go out there and you really go attack those guard spots, those interior spots, or maybe you do find your center of the future and, you know, start to move in a different direction. I- I'm still a team Morse for the considerable future this season and next season, at least, but it's always a good, I don't think that they drafted Creed Humphrey in Kansas city to be their day one starter. It was draft them and then figure out what it's going to be. And so they have to do a really good job. I like that super chat and it's always good to kind of keep an eye on the future and, and start to think about what this thing can look like and, and how much that could fix the offense's problems. And maybe listen, I'm not a guy that's going to, lie to you and tell you that I'm crushing the all 22 every week on this team uh, on, on these games. But I think that what would help routes 
be crisper and run better and be more successful is allowing to get into scramble drills when the protection is there and Josh Allen doesn't have to, you know, um, just bail and go every time things break down under two seconds in the pocket. I think that that would help a lot. And right now they're just, they're not getting consistently consistency in the past, in the past um, protection area of the offensive line. Yeah, that's 100% correct. And, you know, every draft class is different in terms of tackle depth, guard depth. Some drafts, uh, once two or three tackles go off the board in the first round, early in the first round, there's no other quality players or so. The Bills aren't going to reach. That's something we've talked about many times over the years during the draft. Uh, If it's a guard they attack first, so be it. Changing gears real quick, Matt. Uh, Adam Schefter, as of three minutes ago, yes. Bills' Von Miller did not tear his ACL, but there is other damage that doctors are reviewing to determine how much time he will miss and for how long. And for now, he is out indefinitely per sources. He could be out a couple of weeks. It could be season ending. More info still being gathered. So we it's still a ton of uncertainty. Obviously, not tearing his ACL is great news for, for Von Miller and this team, but we still don't know uh, a time frame for how long Von Miller is going to be out of action. It's got to be disheartening for Bills fans. You never want to see one of your star players go out for this amount of time, even if it ends up being a month or six weeks. I mean, that's it's a concern for you know what they're trying to do defensively. We could talk about it being an opportunity for guys, but not having Von Miller, it it, it impacts things. The thing that about it though, and we were talking about this, and it's kind of like a a bit of a, I don't like having the conversation just after a guy got injured, but it's one that I think is worth having at some point of just who are the guys that the bills could, you know, the superstars that could, they could withstand the loss of and still make a run at a Super Bowl. Obviously Josh Allen is number one. You don't even kind of put him in the mix, but I'd make an argument that with the way that the depth is look on this offensive line, Deion Dawkins is just as important as Von Miller is on defense, because if you can't protect Josh Allen, you're not going to have a chance to score enough points. I don't think when the games get tougher in the playoffs, Morse is in the mix there as somebody that you can't lose for an extended period of time. And then obviously Stefan Diggs. I mean, those guys are when this, when it all comes down to it, as good as Von Miller has been for them, this, this team still has to be able to score points. And those are the, the three keys, Diggs, Dawkins and Morse for me. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm glad you brought this up. Rob Ninkovich, former Patriot, is on ESPN now. I really do respect his work, but he pretty much said that Buffalo's Super Bowl hopes are gone if Von Miller is out, and I, I don't agree with that whatsoever. Von Miller was supposed to be the missing piece, but last year the, the Bills were right on the cusp of being a Super Bowl team. They just lost in, in that game against the Chiefs in the final seconds of the game, but they went toe-to-toe with that team. As long as the Bills have Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and – you know, they're, they're core offensive linemen. Uh, I think they can make a run in the postseason. They can they can go toe-to-toe with any team, even though there's been some hiccups with this offense. On the defensive side of the ball, Von Miller has been great. There is no denying that. But y- you look at the interior of the defensive line and how solid they have been at times this year. Von Miller, uh, not Von Miller, excuse me, Ed Oliver has been outstanding. Really should have either been at the podium yesterday post game or eating a turkey leg on the field post game is the defensive MVP of that game. Um, You have Matt Milano, who has been the defensive MVP of this team, this league. I don't think you can uh, make a run in the playoffs this offseason without Matt Milano because of how important he's been. Edmonds has proven his worth in the last few weeks when he hasn't been on the field. They really do miss him in his play. And then obviously Jordan Poyer. Uh, The Bills are undefeated when Poyer plays this season. And yes, I mean, that's a a bit of a coincidence that, I'm not sitting here saying he is the reason they're undefeated when he's on the field, but he plays a big role in the back end of that defense. And obviously you have Trey White getting eased back. White, despite playing a a completely different position than Von Miller, can take a lot of pressure off of the defensive line if he comes back and looks anything like his old self. Uh, any, Any additional pass rush obviously will benefit this team, but if the Bills can get one lockdown cornerback, and get right at, you know, linebacker between Edmonds and Milano and have Ed Oliver doing what he's been doing, wrecking games, Daquan Jones being what he's been. I think this team will be just fine come playoff time, even if it is a worst-case scenario on Von Miller and he is out for the rest of the year. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. 
You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I want to change gears a little bit here. Obviously, we'll cover this story as it uh, unfolds. We'll hear from Sean McDermott at 4 o'clock today. Uh, We'll have another podcast in a few days. We will get uh, more into the details of what this all looks like for the Bills' defensive line moving forward. But let's move to the secondary because I think that's an area that I didn't think that it would take us 35 minutes into the show to talk about this, but it's something that we have to cover. Tredavious White makes his return uh, yesterday, I know a lot of people were excited about it, but the plan going in was he was going to be on a pitch count, 15 to 20 snaps. He ends up at 15 and they take him out of the game. And you could tell like we were, I was zooming in my camera and I had my binoculars out and kind of watching him on the, on the sideline. And he was, he was pacing. He was, uh, he was uncomfortable about it because getting back out on the field probably was a little bit of a tease for, for white. Who's not used to watching games from the sideline in uniform. Dane Jackson played 100% of the snaps as he has for the majority of the season when healthy and he and he struggled and Christian Benford had his struggles as well didn't play as many snaps Kyer Elam didn't come in until the second half uh and he had himself quite a nice day he ended up with 13 coverage snaps uh one target zero receptions allowed a 39.6 passer rating when targeted allowed and he has not given up more than 35 yards in a single game since week five according to nfl rookie watch on twitter uh so obviously i think fans want to see more of him i'm wondering if he was kind of on a on a mini pitch count as well we'll hear from from mcdermott later today but on dane jackson i guess let's start with your thoughts and i'll and i'll I'll chime in with what, what i think the, the first thing that I thought after this game was the Bills are going to stick to their pitch count for Trey White because that game went down to the wire, Matt. And when the Bills took that three-point lead with two minutes and some odd seconds to go, if you were ever going to abandon the pitch count, it would have been right there to get Trey White onto the field in, in a crucial moment because of the way that Dane Jackson had been struggling. But they didn't. So the, the Bills are going to ride their players, the guys that they currently have, as they get Trey White back. And that's completely 100% the right decision. The Bills are doing this the right way with Trey White. But if he played 15 snaps on Thursday, maybe it's 20-25 against the Patriots, or maybe it's around that same number. Their goal, I'm sure, is by playoff time that he's going to be playing 80 to 100% of the snaps on one side of of this defense. And that would be huge for this team. They were in a bind though. You just mentioned it. Kyrie Elam. It was his first game back. He had missed some time. He was uh, doubtful going into the game on Sunday against the Browns. I believe if not questionable, maybe doubtful the week before that, but he was, he's slowly being brought back. So the bills really didn't have many options in terms of changing things up. And, and it's something that Dane Jackson first and foremost has to work through. Teams are going to pick on you until you make a play on a ball, until you make an interception. We've seen that the last few years with Levi Wallace when he was here. Until you make a play, teams are going to target you. And there's been some really good coverage by Dane Jackson where he's not just not turning his head around in time or his hand is in there and he's just not stripping the ball away. If he can start doing that on a semi-regular basis, he's not going to get picked on as much. Christian Benford, he was a great story in the early on of the year. He still has had some quality play, uh, but but teams are kind of figuring him out a little bit too in terms of his strengths and weaknesses. So it, it's all about getting healthy at that position, and that's easing White back in. Elam, you might see him be more of a full go this upcoming week against the Patriots. Uh, came out of that without any kind of setbacks or any injuries. So you, you kind of have to ride with the guys that you've got right now, Matt. 
Yeah. And I want to bring up Juan Castilla's point because this is the direction that I'm going in and it, it it provides the nice jumping off point. Dane is getting all top receivers and has played tight coverage most of the time. And it just is what it is when ball placement is perfect. You've got to use some perspective when evaluating Dane Jackson. I don't think anybody going into this year would have put him in a boat as a you know contender for number one cornerback if Tredavious White was healthy. Everything changes for this entire room when Tredavious White is out there for 100% of the snaps. It allows them to maybe go with a weekly rotation at that CB2 job, put Dane Jackson in a smaller role, like paired with maybe even a Kyer Elam, maybe even start to think about other options for Christian Benford or continue to develop him in the background, however that ends up being uh, working out. But I think you drafted Kyer, you drafted Kyer Elam with the idea that Dane Jackson wasn't going to probably be on the field anymore because he's a first round pick. Trey's a first round pick. That's your starting cornerback group. And I think if you're looking at December and January football and for Bills fans hoping for February football, that to me still seems like the best possible scenario. Elam playing at a high level and wipe back to as close as you can get him back to all pro status. And I think Dane Jackson's filled in nicely and I love his attitude and as journalists, sometimes we got to be careful not to attach ourselves too much to the story of a guy. Like I really like Dane Jackson and I, and I kind of root for him a little bit because I like the scrappy nature of his story. Journalists root for stories. Like that's the business that we're in. Um, he hasn't played well the last three weeks, but he's also gone up against really, really good players. And I think those reps in high stress, high pressure situations, it, it, a lot of times can build for the future. And Tony Romo said something on the broadcast yesterday that everybody kind of took and ran with on social media about Dane Jackson being a budding superstar. And from Tony Romo's perspective, I got to thinking about it. Why would he say something like that? Number one, Jackson's had to play number one receivers all season long, and he's held up pretty well over the most, over the majority of the season. Also, a lot of the things that Tony Romo and guys like him in the, in the box say in games are based on their interactions with the players during the week. And every interaction that you have with Dane Jackson, you come away being impressed with the level of responsibility he takes for his play and also the level of pressure he puts on himself to be better. And I asked him about that, like, what do you do in that situation? And, and what did you, how would you assess your performance? And he said, I got to win, period. Plain and simple. It's a win-loss league, and I got to win. So nobody's as upset with those plays that are going badly as Dane Jackson is. Yeah, and again, he is still a young player. He was a day three pick. He, he's still developing his craft, so to speak. So the, the Bills are going to try to give him every opportunity they can, but you're right. Once Trey White, the you know, the restrictions or the the pitch count is off they're going to want to have him and Elam out there as their one two and then Dane Jackson's more of a rotational piece I saw in the comments why aren't we putting out Xavier Rhodes um, the Bills can only elevate him one more time off of their practice squad at that point they, they would have to sign him to their main roster and you know with all the injuries and everything maybe that ends up being the case uh, one some player gets injured and is out for the time being maybe they sign him to the main roster and he does kind of take over a larger role as a reserve uh, cornerback. I think everything's on the table there, Matt, in, in terms of what they're going to do for depth heading into the end of the regular season and playoffs. Uh, but you don't want to give up right now on Dane Jackson just because he's going through a rough patch. When he's back in that role as either cornerback two or uh, cornerback 2B, so to speak, behind Kyrie Elam, you, you'll probably see his comfort level come down a little bit. He's going to be fresher in games. He's not going to be playing 100% of the snaps like he did last week. So kind of keep that into consideration at this time. Um, I want everybody to consider going over to valuehomecenters.com and checking out their Black Friday ad. They got you hooked up with weekly ads where it's all the best deals going on uh, inside uh, value home centers. You can shop online. You, they, they got it all set up for you. I'm looking at it right now. $99. You can get yourself a uh, propane grill, uh, a dyno glow for just $99. That is a huge offer. They got drills as low as $24, $34.99 for a hammer drill, $24.99 for a variable, variable speed jigsaw. It doesn't matter what you do. Do Just do a little jig over to Value Home Centers. Just walk around. They got deals going on every single day and every single post-game edition of Shout, we bring you the Value Home Centers. Toolsy. 
player of the game. I'm going to start with you, Ryan Talbot. Who was your uh, toolsy player of the game this week? You, you got to go at Oliver. Ed Oliver was everywhere on the field for this Bills team in terms of in the backfield, getting a safety and sack on a play, making big plays in the run game. He has been a force as of late for this team. And when the Bills needed someone to step up on their defensive line, he took the reins and he ran with it. He was outstanding for this team. So my toolsy player of the game is Ed Oliver. What about you, Matt? I like it. Uh, Thomas Hewitt asks, does value deliver to New England? Um, I'd imagine that they do, but I don't want to speak out of pocket. So why don't you do this, Thomas? Head over to Value Home Centers. Check out the Black Friday ad. Pull the trigger on one of those great deals and then report back in the next episode and let me know if they deliver to New England. That would be great. I'll find out either way. Um, (laughs) My wife uh, thought that transition was pretty funny. My toolsy player of the game. I wanted to do Ed. So you stole my thunder, oh, Ryan. So sorry. That's that's ridiculous on your part. So now I got to think on my feet, which is, you know, never a good thing. Um, let me bring this up. Let, let's talk about Ed for a second before I pick mine. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up the the box score here and I'm gonna kind of peruse a little bit to to bring this up. And listen, we don't like to like script this too much. We like to kind of go off the cuff on these shows. So apologies for that. But I agree with you. I Oliver was destructive yesterday and i put out a tweet um his thanksgiving day performances now three and a half of his career 13 and a half sacks have come on thanksgiving day the guy just gets pumped up um you know who i'll go for though i'll stay on the defensive line and this is another guy that i think i'm really looking at if von miller's out for an extended period daquan jones re- records a sack in the game two quarterback hits a tackle for a loss and he's just been so consistent and well-rounded. And I continue to, to, to kind of bang the point. Oh, I like Knicks too. I'll give it to Nick. I'll, I'll go with Knicks in a second. But I want to give Daquan Jones some love as well. We'll give out. Yeah, listen, it's Thanksgiving. All right, it's a season of giving. We're going to give out multiple tools and players of the game today, Ryan. Okay? That's okay. I don't think anybody's got a problem with it. Jones has been so versatile. Like him as a pass rusher, I wasn't envisioning it. And the, the safety for Oliver was actually made possible by Daquan Jones, who took that double team up the middle, kept both guys on him, kept charging forward. Oliver won his one-on-one, and boom, that is a huge difference-making, game-winning play. And when I was talking to Shaq Lawson after the game, he was just he cannot say enough about what Daquan has meant in that room. Uh, but on, on the offensive side, a little dirty. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, he's been scrutinized quite a bit. Some of it's been fair. Uh, he comes out in this game, 10 targets, six catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. This looked a lot like New England in 2021 and Miami in 2020. And how was he winning, Ryan? Exactly. The, and maybe that's the part of it This that, you know, you can, you know, you, you could criticize Dorsey on is like, he figured it out. Like, that's how you got to use McKenzie is you got to get him in space, let him win at the line of scrimmage, but then attack down the field with his speed. When he did, Josh Allen found him touchdown. Yeah, he was fantastic, and it was it was a big game, uh, and they needed it from him. They hadn't been getting that slot production. He was, like you said, they kind of figured out ways to utilize him and his talent. He made some outstanding grabs, had the first uh, touchdown reception of the game for the Bills. So if you can get him more involved, have those games where Gabe Davis gets more involved. Dawson Knox, who I thought was going to be a bigger part of the game plan and ended up only getting two targets, hauled them both in did not have the game that I was envisioning. If they can just get someone else to step up each week opposite Stefan Diggs, uh, I think this offense will be fine. Final thoughts, Ryan. Let's uh let's let's get after it before we uh get out of here. Well we gotta we we actually have to plan out our our sh- our shows here because this is another kind of weird week. Sunday is typical Wednesday, so it'll be mm-hmm. media day uh at the stadium. I'm going on the Polar Express with the kids at three o'clock, which I just found out that that was going to be a uh, bit of a uh, scheduling conflict. So I'll be out at practice, but I have to leave right away. I'll be back in the locker room on Monday. So I think we'll do a show Monday night. Does that work? I think that would be, we'll do one show next week. We'll do a Monday night show. It'll be after the second day of practice. It'll serve as our preview and weekly edition. Maybe I'll look to bring a guest on. We'll do a bigger, bigger show on that Thursday. And then uh, I'll be in Boston, uh, Foxborough for the show or for the game on Thursday. 
There you go. So, uh, you know, final thought for me, Matt, the Bills have one more short week coming up here and then they get a little bit of a, an extended rest. Uh, let some of these players heal up after that extended break that they get following the Patriots game and, and kind of see where the chips fall. Losing Von Miller, it's another big loss for this team that's already lost quite a few players for periods of time. But the sky is not falling yet. The Bills are 8-3. and three. Uh, They're in better shape now than they were one year ago where, you know, this was a team that was 7-6 and six and, and fighting and battling at one point before they figured it out. So there's still time for the Bills to get on that roll like they did last year at the end of the regular season. Huge AFC East games coming up the next few weeks. They need to, to pretty much sweep those uh, to correct their, their first two games in the division. But uh, all is well right now in terms of the Bills' standing in the AFC East and the AFC overall. Yeah, they need, they need to go on a run. Uh, and, and that's the way that this thing is all setting up. And I, I'm looking at this Patriots game. Mac Jones comes out, has a really good game. And somebody earlier in the show was talking about Matt Patricia's, you know, scheming guys open. It's not really tough to do against Minnesota. Like they, they're banged up in their secondary. Their pass rush is good, but it relies on two guys. And they got through in the end. Uh, I think the, I think New England's getting healthier on the offensive line. So it's not surprising they were able to get some things done. But I think it bodes well seeing the success that Justin Jefferson had, uh, Adam Thielen, uh, TJ Hawkinson, I mean, combined together, they went for over 200 yards and three touchdowns in that game. Kirk Cousins was cooking. And this was a New England Patriots defense that was off the charts DVOA. So I think it's a good spot. You hope that Josh Allen gets a little healthier over the course of the next week. That elbow's feeling better. He'll have a full week of you know rest and some practice reps. Hopefully he'll be able to get in. And he'll probably be in a better situation. So uh, I'm looking forward to see what that looks like. It's a... This is this is the first true like since Kansas City for me the feel of a Titanic game because more so for what it could mean if the Bills were to lose it than if they were to win it right like if they win right. it it's, it's expected but if they lose it the sky is going to be falling sure oh and three in the AFC East the sky would be falling for various reasons if that were to happen you know the the one thing though is the Patriots have not figured out Josh Allen they have not had any answers for him the past few seasons so even if he's not at a hundred percent uh the way he's been able to use his arms his arm and legs against them the past few seasons I think that's going to cause some real problems for this defense it's coming off of a a game where they struggled against Kirk Cousins they didn't have to worry about Cousins taking off and running the way that Allen can I got to ask Josh this week if, because he's had a vendetta for the Patriots, I feel like, the last couple of seasons. I wonder if all the talk around how it, it happened for him early in the in his career with the Patriots and like obviously looking up to Tom Brady and then like, I don't know. I don't know if any of that's, if, he, if there's a little bit of an extra edge and knowing what they've met in the division, like just this killer instinct to just destroy them has been Impressive to watch over the last couple of years. We'll see if it continues. It's also impressive to watch all the deals at the Topps Carry Out Cafe. Right now, hot to go fresh, large, and cheese and pepperoni pizzas are $14. Jumbo chicken wings, 10 count, 14 bucks. The legendary Topps Breakfast Pizza, a large is $20. Pizza or taco logs, six count, $7.69. Baby back rib sections, $5.99 a pound. Sub sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash redzone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. He's Ryan. I'm Matt. We'll be back on Monday. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.